This episode of the Garage Build podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or visit lawfran.com. The Fran Hosh Law Group, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. For 30 years, Badlands Modules has produced American-made lighting modules for American V-Twins and custom motorcycles. And for the last two decades, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has supplied builders and bikers with top-shelf wiring solutions for their projects, no matter the scope. Today, NAMS and Badlands proudly introduce premium LED lighting options from Electric Lighting Company. Go to electriclighting.com and use the discount code SPEED2020, and you'll receive free shipping on all orders over $100 in the lower 48. You can also follow Electric Lighting Company on Instagram at Electric Lighting Co. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C. For five decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has produced mind-bending custom motorcycles and cutting-edge parts for American-made motorcycles and custom-built V-twins. From their new 10-gauge engine covers to performance air cleaners and exhaust systems, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company continues to lead the charge for the next generation of custom builders. Visit ArlenNest.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILD10 to save 10% on orders over $100. The Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company, family owned and operated for 50 years. By now, I'm sure you've heard me talk all about my workwear from 1620 USA. Here's what you need to know. 1620 workwear is 10 times more abrasion resistant than traditional workwear, and it lasts up to five times longer than the workwear you're already wearing. Their stretch fabrics move with you and not against you and need no break-in period. You deserve the best workwear that is made right here in the USA, period. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEEDMETAL and you'll save 20% at checkout. You can also follow them on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 workwear, made in the USA and guaranteed for life. So you've heard all about Fix Your Lids grooming products. Personally, I use the Extreme Hold Pomade the most, but they offer much more than that. They also offer styling gel, shampoos and conditioners, a forming cream, a styling fiber, and a regular hold pomade. And the best part is, 100% of all Fix Your Lid products are made in the USA, right down to the packaging. Fix Your Lid products are available online at shopfyl.com, and they'll ship them right to your door. Fix Your Lid styling products, cruelty-free and proudly made in the USA. Hey there, welcome back to the Helen Wheels Garage Built Podcast. I am your host, Jason Hallman. I just got back from a two-day junket to Jacksonville, Florida. I go stay with Nothing Stock Cam and podcast with uh, Fish at Alleyway Customs. Um, I'm really stoked to release one this one today because James Elkhorn, who is the proprietor and builder, chief builder at Alleyway Customs, is part of the Born Free 2021 People's Choice Awards. So voting starts tomorrow, November 6th. It goes through November 9th. That's why I'm releasing these today under duress. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I've got a couple different interviews, but this one I wanted to put ahead of all the other ones. So James needs our help. His bike friend scene is fucking killer. It's absolutely fantastic to see in person. His shop is honestly, dude, one of the baddest motorcycle shops I've ever been in. I've been in almost everybody's motorcycle shop. So it's very cool. And James is such a sweetheart of a guy and he's a fantastic painter and fabricator and his shop is cool as shit. And, uh, I had never really spent any time in Jacksonville. And so I got to go over there, have dinner with him and, uh, his, his, uh, right-hand man, Chris Rosenberg and, uh, hang out with nothing stock cam and his beautiful wife. And we stayed over there and watched, uh, the world come to an end. 
I'm just kidding. Uh, we watched the presidential election and went to bed. And uh, I got up the next day and I went to Daytona and I podcasted with Poor Star. And that one's going to be the next episode that gets released. I'm stoked about that one too. That dude blew my mind. So as always, make sure you visit our sponsors, use our discount codes. We're going to save you money, uh, especially the 1620 USA guys. Those dudes are doing it right. They are building a fantastic product. Yes, it costs more money, but I'm helping you with that. I'm saving you 20% on your order at 1620usa.com. Follow them on Instagram. Also, don't forget Arlen Ness. If you go to the Arlen Ness website and order anything, you're put in your code uh, that we gave you back in our in the in the advertisement spot and you're going to save some money with them 10% and also free shipping from electric lighting go to namscustomcycleproducts.com and check them out all of your kick ass lighting for your V twin project uh, they've been doing it for a long time nams badlands electric lighting company um, all that stuff is badass their new shark tooth headlamp for the road glide is badass um, also don't forget about Fix Your Lid. Fix Your Lid, go to shopfyl.com and buy yourself some Fix Your Lid product. I do not have a discount code for them, but you don't need one. All their products are made in America, cruelty-free. Even the product that they buy or the, the containers that they buy to put their product in is made in the USA. So uh, I'm going to stop talking now. Make sure you visit our sponsors. Thank you to the Fran Hosh Law Group. And don't forget, December 5th and 6th, RP Funding Center, downtown Lakeland, V-Twin Visionary, Jeff G. Holtz coming in. He's our show MC for the whole weekend, our show ambassador. Go to cfwheelsofsteel.com and buy your tickets. They're $10 ahead of the time at $12 day of the show. We still have some, a couple vendor spots left. We have a couple of, we have plenty of room for show bikes. We have 11 classes, kick-ass trophies. And there's always, always there is the Rick Hallman Legacy Award trophy. Kyle Ray Rice is building it this year. Check out his Instagram page to see progress on that. That is going to be your best to show trophy. And uh, it's our second year and we're totally stoked. Instead of a one day event, it's a two dayer and we've got a host hotel, the whole deal. It's going to be a badass party. So don't miss it. I will see you very soon. Thank you. It's a little hot. It'll be a little hot. Okay, I got we're recording. Right. Let's see. I can shut this door and stuff too. Yeah, if you want to, go ahead. Yeah, because they're fucking idiots out there. I'm sorry. Dude. Let's stop being idiots. <laughs> Anytime, all the video stuff we done would be sitting in here, but get everything set up. Okay, like I'm going to ask you some questions, and all of a sudden, like, fucking dogs barking just chaos going out there no sound nothing all morning right only when we're trying to do something yeah that's the typical that's the typical way right so all right dude is your phone going crazy from people wanting to talk about what happened last night just a couple of my buddies i'm like i'm not gonna even i'm not even gonna fret at this point it's what's done is done you know, I know. I'm do. like, fuck, there's, there's going to be some repercussions. But, well, what they're saying now is that uh, they were saying that um, 
the reason why Trump was like, no, I won. I'm declaring I won because there's no possible way with these ratios in the last three or whatever five states that it could possibly swing that hard with the amount of votes you're saying you have in. They're like, no, we need to still keep counting. And they're like, they sent all the bean counters home. They're like, no, we'll just go home. We'll count them later. Like, what the fuck? It's 3 a.m. Like, people need to know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, you can't tell us for a year how high, how high stakes it is and then go, well, it's, it's not high stakes enough to just keep going. Yeah, everybody's up at 3 in the morning and freaking out. I went to bed last night and just thought, you know what, it's, it, it's going to be what it's going to be, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, I didn't. I only lost sleep because the old lady was up, and I was in bed with one of the dogs <laughs> that was making way more noise. He kept waking me up. And, but anyway. So I, I still feel, I came here yesterday, and I still feel the same way as I felt yesterday. I, this is the coolest motorcycle shop I've ever been in, dude. It Get really is. Here. I appreciate you saying that. No, and I've been in some really, really neat places, and this is just... You know, you get it done, and the level of stuff that you do, and you look around at the equipment that you have, and you have exactly what. It's funny when you go to somebody's shop and you see the tools that they've invested in, and how they care for their tools, and where they put them, and how they parse that out. And everybody's got their own kind of niche. Well, I'm you know? glad you say that because this place, in my opinion, is very unorganized right now. <laughs> well, no, it's very worked in. I mean, it's an extremely worked in area. I hate that. I hate. Anytime we start talking to somebody, this is a really great space. I sound like I'm, you know, I'm going to be on that, right. that show up north in Canada where, like, you know, this is Tanya. She's a butterfly wrangler, and this is her husband. Yeah. He braids nose hair for a living, and they have a $4 million budget. Right. <laughs> this is a great space. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, this is one of those places where you, you, you hope that in... 20, 30, 40 years kind of story that there's this story behind it, right? There's some, there's some, you've done some things in here that are obviously not going to be undone. There's building some character and, you know, we went to kind of some great extremes to just make a comfortable work environment. I believe in that clarity of, okay, clean slate, concentrate on what you're going to do, but this is the first big AC it's not a huge air conditioned room, but it's nice to get out of the heat in the summer and come in here. I can get another three hours worth of work done coming in here in the afternoon. Yeah, so you're you're in, if we describe this place to people, it's like, a, it's it's not really a modern building. I mean, it's a it's a cinder yeah. block building, right? That's it's a pretty kinda, old commercial yeah. building with huge garage doors. But on the in this room, we built out an insulated small area that's about... It's about 800 square foot, maybe maybe 600, but insulated walls with windows in it so you can see outside. It also has heat and AC and just some rugs thrown on the floor and stuff, but it's a good area where I can do upholstery in here. I can lay out all the different, I can do a little bit of airbrushing, but lay out a lot, a lot of the paint designs and panels and stuff. That has to be, uh, I would think as a painter, as a custom painter, which was just one of your many talents, that you, if you're not, you don't want to be sweating over some sort of a design or toiling over some sort of a di design while it's 100 degrees outside or damn no. near. That I just feel like that's one of the biggest things in my business and, in, in, you know, in my shop that I've never had an air-conditioned shop space, you know, and you just go out in there in the summertime and it just takes your fucking breath away it's yeah. so people don't understand how hard it is to work and 
that kind of heat and that kind of humidity, it's yeah. miserable. Yeah. It's not. It, well, I've come to learn. The, I've come to learn that that the work that gets done here is a lot of. I mean, not all of it, but a lot of high concentration work. You have to stay focused, and and what you're getting back to what you're saying is, in the heat, you lose your focus. You lose. You can't even think straight, and you, you're out. Sweats in your eyes, and yeah. <laughs> well, and it starts getting in your on your work and everything, and yeah. it's like, God damn it, it's it's so difficult. But yeah. this room's great. So this is, you were saying this is reclaimed lumber. Yeah. So this is I did a pan head for a guy redid it <clears throat> and he does like interior log cabin restorations and and trims them out he's like a trim carpenter amongst other carpentry jobs that he does and has and he wanted to this is reclaimed fence panels that we've run horizontally and made look like old reclaimed oak or whatever it dude may I, be. i'm gonna be honest with you this is one of those places where it's like i could live here like i'm looking okay yeah. i could have a bedroom over there Yep. I, there's, the bathroom needs a little bit of, you know, it wouldn't have to have a shower or whatever, but... It had one. Well, there it you had, go. But it was super <laughs> messed up, but they had like a stand-up shower. Yeah, but I mean, there's, there's enough space in here. This is as big as my first house was. And you, yeah. you know, you could put it together and, fuck man, live here. You just all you need is a mattress, <clears throat> mattress on the lift over there. Right. <laughs> Believe it or not, when I put together... Uh, Hell, that, that back room, you got like a little parts room. That, that could be turned into... A, a bedroom yeah you know this could be a, it, kitchen and workspace i mean shit it's just cool i don't know i mean it's got a coffee maker it's all you need over there <laughs> right yeah go-go juice but this little this little area here where you have your bikes on display it's perfect yeah so there's a little uh area in the corner it's 12 or 14 by 10 square where we have some of our regular collection of the older vintage bikes in the corner it was the all 40s room for a while there but we have some display some bikes on display at the at the local Harley dealership too, but that was, we were gonna put an electric fireplace over there and like Swanky. just have a <laughs> man cave it out. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 perfect. So let tell me about these bikes here because I'm familiar with, obviously Francine has been all over the internet. She's the, the, the latest addition to your completed bike list, but you've got this alleyway, this 45 WL. So that bike, uh, there was a time period over a couple years where I had a guy that uh, lived in North Carolina had come <clears> down and, and worked with me for a little bit and he had a uh, was Godfrey vintage cycle and he uh, dealt in a lot of used old parts and he'd find these guys on the mountain up there and sit down and have uh, breakfast with them and try to pick their brains for for parts and stuff, and uh, anyway, the relevance is that. Pick, is that, pick through, their, uh, through their barns? Well, you'd have to get on their good side, buy them coffee, <laughs> and they wouldn't even really talk to you, but he'd put the time in to do it, and he had his resources up there. And The story with this bike is apparently, they used to have a sidecar on it, and a guy would ride it up to whatever bar on the mountain and wreck it in the woods and leave it in there and pass out with it in the woods and all this stuff, and uh, Scott got it from a guy that that guy had passed away and he got it from that guy so that bike came down uh from the carolinas and was was running and uh we turned it into into kind of a race bike that's a that front end that springer the 45 springer has uh lightning holes in it that were drilled out back in the day 
So that's that, that's, that's legit. Somebody probably went through eighty drill bits doing that. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine drill bit technology was right. in the forties and fifties. Super <laughs> sketchy, you know. And in fact, that guy Scott was gonna. He wanted to try to race it, and I was like, man, if you even hit anything with that front end, it's just gonna buckle. But anyway, that particular bike, we matched everything else to look as old as the front end. So we repainted the frame, did layers of colors, and beat it up to make it look distressed, and then. When I put that Wassel fender on there, I did kind of a rivet plate system to make it look like a stock Harley hinged fender, like it would have come from the factory. So that's kind of my interpretation of how a, a factory race bike. Oh, that's well done. Have, that that bike's really well done. I'm surprised, but you didn't. Uh, you you decided not to do uh, any finish on the front end. That's interesting. No, nah, it's just it's all kind of raw, and uh, I built those wheels for it, the 18s on it. And just, you know, did a little, a little weird quirky stuff to a different seat hinge system. And uh, that's one of Mike Wilson's bikes um, that we just kind of keep around. And this blue pan head was in Hot Bike at one time. Uh, it was called the one piece at a time pan head because it's a 65 drivetrain in a 48 wishbone frame. Um, and then the trim and fenders are done up like a 63 or 64, okay. I believe. And then we painted it like a 40s Ford truck blue, since you can kind of do whatever with it, but yeah, everybody loves it. But that's a fresh brand new motor, gone through transmission, whole nine yards. So you have a real affinity for the older stuff? Like all the old stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, I mean, is there is there a cutoff point for you with Harleys where you're like, yeah, you know, and it just it didn't call them. You know, like some people really like shovels, some people really don't like shovels. Some people really like Evos, some people don't like Evos. Some people, you know, uh, there's crazy people out there. Like I, I, I get, you know, made fun of by my friends a little bit because I think Ironheads are neat. I think yeah. they're miserable, <laughs> but I think they, I think they have this unique sound to them the, the mechanical can. sound paired with the correct exhaust on an iron head it just it sounds you know it's got its own unique sound so is there is there a cutoff point for you where you're like not interested or no i, I like them all um i've had my share of, of, of shovel heads and i'm a pan head guy really i've always uh, my buddies got me into them what is it about a pan head that you like I like the generator sound. I just like the pan. It's a different kind of. I, re I really actually like the hydraulic lifters as opposed to the solid lifters and some of the older or uh, newer newer pan heads where right. they sound just like a sewing machine. Sounds just like an old sewing machine. They're slow and clunky, but I like all this stuff. How they're you really got to get in tune with the starting system and have them timed real right, and then they grow with you and you kind of like develop a relationship with them. And they, they either like you or they don't. You know. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I, you know, we still have some we got to get to. We got a 31 VL that uh, we might do up like a race bike. So VL, is that a, is that a, I, I don't know that, I honestly don't, EL is a knucklehead, right? Yes. VL would be a flathead then, right? Yeah. Okay. See, I guess I do know the nomenclature. I just didn't know that's what it was. And I, I and don't, I, uh, I like to look at older motorcycles. Um, but for me, it's not one of those things where I'm I'm able to I'm not able to to make that investment in time and that investment in I I, I just like to look at them. So I guess you got to have buddies with other <coughs> old stuff to ride with, you know, because riding an old bike with with them with guys with more modern bikes, you just can't keep up. And 
but that's what I always enjoyed getting with my buddies from up in Atlanta that had panheads and that's a good point. Yeah. I know I've never had anybody articulate it like that. But you always hear the story of everybody's going out riding, and then the one dude's got the older bike that is it's miserable. If you completely that problematic, way. and he's holding everybody up. Where if if everybody's got an older bike, then everybody's held everybody up at one point in time or another, right? And it's a different kind of ride. You, you nobody's trying to go 70, 80. You're taking back roads and just kind of it's a different kind of enjoying it. Slow poke, right? You know, just cruising. It's a different kind of mellow wind in your face as opposed to getting blasted on the highway. And, yeah. You know, but they got to, you got to live in that kind of environment. I got into them when I lived in Jacksonville Beach. And I live in North St. Augustine now. But when I lived in Jacksonville Beach and you're just kind of going around your local town, you can have an older bike and you don't ever really feel the repercussions of it screaming 3,000 RPMs at 70 miles an hour. Yeah, they want to take, you know? they want to take themselves apart trying yeah. to do that. And, that's yeah. a good point. I mean, you know, these things have been now. There's just so many different uh, groups of drive lines and groups of. There's just so many things you can do. You know, the revolution that happened around 2000 to 2003. I consider it a revolution in the motorcycle industry, where there was this giant hockey stick growth of innovation. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it was it was very common that, that you had. A, you know, my dad rode a shovelhead back then. Uh, still, and rode it every day, you know. And and I can remember stuff breaking on my dad. Now, now that like you th you think back on things, and you're like, oh yeah, that did happen, and oh yeah, that was this, and oh yeah, that was that. That you get back in that, and you realize that he had issues quite often. I remember his chain coming off on the freeway. Yeah. And then it was well, he just kept an extra master link with him. You know what yep. I mean? Like those types of things yeah. that kind of, they just, they take themselves apart at some time. And in the early 2000s when I think, Burt Baker is who I credit with a lot of the, um, making some of the older bikes more rideable with his six and a four, you I know, just six started, speed revolution. I just started his podcast this morning where he talks about the beginning of the six speed transmission. Yeah. That stuff. And, and it's an interesting story. I mean, mm -hmm. he's a, he's a good dude to have on something like in, in, on one of these mediums. And I think Jace just interviewed him. That's the one I was listening to. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I'm a bit remiss that I didn't, I hadn't sat down with, with Bert yet, and he's got such a story to tell, and I just have such an intimate relationship with that company and have for so many years that I kind of know the story. Yeah. You it's, know? It's been a while since I heard it. I heard it back in the era you were, you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, basically, he got a bike stolen. Yeah. Used yeah. the insurance money to build his own bike, and couldn't believe how miserable the thing rode. And he was a driveline engineer for General Motors, so yeah. it was just kind of a natural progression. Yeah, you know, I think what I'm going to do. Everybody likes Francine so much, and I've had some people inquiring about bike builds and stuff like that. But I, I think that I'm going to do something a little more along the lines of the Indian Larry recipe of six-speed, some kind of maybe electric start on them. You know, make them a little more. Not everybody wants a hand shift, no front brake, mechanical drum, non-stopping rear <laughs> wheel setup. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, th there's there's definitely there's definitely that. I mean, Indian Larry is definitely, um, I think, should be credited with. If anybody should be credited with fast street bikes that that yeah. maybe shouldn't be fast, it would be him. Yeah, you know, yeah, and he yeah. was here for. He was the, the back to the revolutionary point of the or that little space we talk about that was I consider it the gold rush I mean that's mm -hmm. how I've always referred to it in the podcast is from mm -hmm. 2000 to about 2005 and we lost Larry in 2004 that um, 
very early on in my career, and mm -hmm. I had already got to meet him. And yeah. you know, your, my first year in this business, there was so much input, 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 input that was coming from everywhere. Yeah, you know, you had guys like Indian Larry doing what he did in, in New York. You had guys like Billy doing what he did down in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. You had Jesse over in California, and then you had all these other guys that were super talented that had kind of you could pick your own. You could pick somebody and kind of follow their follow their lead. There were so many people. There's Borgette and Milwaukee Iron and a lot of people doing inf influential things and styles. Yeah, with and no internet. Very, yeah, with no internet. It's also worth noting, no internet. I mean, you know. the internet was around, but no one. Instagram wasn't. Facebook well, well, wasn't. Well, that MySpace was wasn't. There wasn't a place to blog starting. Yeah, the it beginning was blogs. blogs. It, I mean, I, I, you aren't going to get somebody. It's funny. It's like uh, you understand this that. I tell, tell people all the time that having a bike shop, you can't just have a bike shop. Now you have a bike shop and you've got this micro media company that surrounds the bike shop that you can either farm all that out, which I don't even know how one would even do that or make that like reasonably um, measure your return metrics, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but you've got you've to post and you've got you've to create how you want to be seen and you've got to pair it with the right kind of music and pair it with the right kind of ambiance and you know and, and you you can't just build bikes well back then you weren't getting a guy that spent all of his day in in the shop you weren't getting them to sit down at a computer no and talk about what they did today no. it's, but now we've gotten to where it's part of kind of part of what we do yeah yeah it's it's part of uh, it's definitely part of my afternoon a 30 45 minute window of <clears throat> posting something on social media so the company's represented and still relevant and you're still connected and and pushing progression of what's going on in your and what you're doing and you know it's I'm fortunate that our social media page while the followers aren't as huge as some other people they're all people that are really into bikes every person well, if they're engaged that's better because you can yeah. measure the engagement and I've had you know we have sponsors on this podcast mm -hmm. and we have that conversation with them and uh, one of my one of my really good sponsors um, 1620 workwear um, they you know I had a conversation with him regarding that and he's like look he goes you have X number of followers on your page you don't have 30,000 followers on your page he goes but your fa your page followers are engaged and they know that because my page followers are using my discount code that we offer for the clothing line right mm -hmm. so it he can measure that and he sees that and that's how yeah. we were able to we were able to get more sponsors because of doing work for the sponsors that we already do work for right you know and well, that makes sense and that's an interesting way to, that it gets analyzed you know that's good yeah it's tough i mean you have to you you have to you have to create if you're looking at like francine for example you have to create like a list of parts that you want to put on it and you have to kind of map that out and see what that pro progress is going to look like or that project is going to look like and then you have to start doing the project and then you have ideas that come along like oh I want to run the oil lines like this or let's mm -hmm. make them out of this material because those are stainless are they not mm -hmm. I mean that's it's not fun or easy to no. bend stainless and you can no. waste it really fast yeah and that's back to the do everything at least three times yeah so you're building three bikes <laughs> yeah. Cody does that Cody you know Cody will get on a project and you know I always end up I always hear about his project like once he decides what he's gonna do he's gonna do I'm gonna do this this or this and then he starts talking to me and probably a couple others about what he's going to do and then he starts filtering out like 
anybody's shitty input, he filters that out, mm -hmm. you know, and looks for quality input. And he gets, you know, his his bike. I I go back to the bike that he had on the cover of Hot Bike, the orange bike. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. he built it three times before. He built it and won the FXR show the first time, and then it was on the cover of Hot Bike. And now he's rebuilt it completely again, like completely rebuilt it. Mm -hmm. And now he's even changed stuff on it since then. You know, yeah. he just put a new pipe on it, and um, it, it's it, it's kind of a never-ending evolution of of what you do. I'm kind of blessed with with Francine in that regard. That there's things that, you, that can't be changed now with with the whole candy paint job. You're you know there's. I could make and fabricate some different stuff out of stainless and 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 redo some stuff, but I'm I'm definitely glad it's done. It was a massive undertaking. It is. And very proud of it. Very happy it's done. Very interested to see what's going to happen. <laughs> see, like your bike's looking in this little room, uh, and I know people that are listening can't see this, but I'll describe it. It's probably a. I'm going to say what a 10 by 12 area or 10 12? by 12 or 14 one or the other yeah so it's 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 the size of a small living room or the size of a, a medium-sized bedroom and there's three motorcycles in there you've got a the 45 wl racer you've got francine the panhead and then you've got this other panhead that you said that was kind of an amalgamation of other eras and parts and i wouldn't have known any of that um you know there's people out there that are very in tune to little pieces and parts and that's not the era that i focused on so right, right. i to me it just looks done and it looks done well and it looks done correctly and so you can definitely tell that you've got you know these bikes are done this is what what this is what they're going to be you know and so what are you working on what are you working on now you've got this thing done this is a born free build was it not yeah well so how are they doing that like can you can so, you tell me how what it, it was canceled for this year this year, so do they consider that being rescheduled for next year, right? Or? So, and I don't want to speak out of turn here, but this is what I've been told: the 29 builders that were building for this year, that should have been at the show in June, then postponed till November, then rescheduled till next June. They're still building the same bikes for June that's coming up. Okay. The People's Champ competition that I'm in is the winner will be the 30th builder at Born Free. But then, so the voting for the People's Champ that I'm in, voting starts this Friday okay. over the weekend, and then they're going to declare a winner, I forget at what date, sometime next week. And then they start a whole new People's Champ for 2021. So I'll be a whole other batch of 25 guys to start building in like December. So the voting starts November 6th yep. of 2020 yep. for the 29th builder. 30th builder. Or 30th builder. Yeah. Because there's 29 invited builders and then the people's champ is like the runner up. You're you're trying to become the 30th. Okay. So there's already 29 builders that are selected. Right. You're going in to be one of the 30th. Right. Okay. So how many how many people are, are participating in that in that last space? The last, there's five of us now. There was six. One guy got eliminated because when they flew the film crews in from California to film, your bike had to be running. And, uh, you know, they're filming your ride, and he unfortunately, super nice guy, he wasn't eligible for that. But God, it, that's it, a shit, that's a bummer, huh? Yeah, I, I talked to him, Stevens. He's a really nice guy, and uh, immediately when that happened, we were both back and forth, like messaging on social media, just like, whoa, man, it's so. So, like, heavy. what? They went there, or they didn't go there? They went there, and they were gonna. They do an interview process. All, the, all, the, all this goes into a video, and those videos are up on the People's Champ social media, the Biltwell People's Champ social media. 
uh, but they interview you and they, they were attempting to document since we couldn't bring our bikes to the show to be judged in person they were attempting to document evenly everyone's bike pictures detail shots interview and then footage of you riding gotcha but since bringing the bikes to california we would have had to ro have ridden 50 miles to crook's corner the friday for our judging so your bike had to run and ride yeah so they've tried to hold the same format saying that when the film crews come from california you make sure your bike's running and you're ready and if your bike isn't running you'll be disqualified from being eligible to to win so Man, yeah, that's uh, that's disheartening to hear that that you know. Well, two weeks or three weeks before all this happened, I went ahead and tried uh, to get my bike running, and my motor build had been happening over the course of two years, and a lot of people had their hands on it. I attempted to go back through it, make sure everything was good, but I had my reservations on whether or not it was going to run good, and I fired my bike bike up about two and a half weeks before they were coming out, and the motor locked up. The machine shop that did the bottom end had some cam shim issues on the bushing issues. So I understand that, how that's that a, feels. That's a pretty simple thing to measure if done correctly, right? If done correctly is the key. And I won't mention. No, there's any, no. There's, you know, there's, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I know what that feels like and how devastating after building for, for 10 months. So this motor's months. already in the frame, in that frame looking just like it is right now. So all painted. Painted everything. Fired up, ran for about 15 seconds, and locked up like you turned the light switch off. I've only had that happen to me one time. It was with a car motor, oh. or car engine, rather. This um, is the only time it's ever happened to me. Of course, it's with all high stakes, high right? stakes poker. Yeah. So pull apart as much of it as you can in the frame to, to mitigate any well, potential damage, right? can't pull anything apart in the frame because of the rear head clearance with the CCI rocker covers on there. So, so you the, can't even get the rocker covers off? Nope. You can't pull the head off? Nope. It's tight, tight, tight clearance. With, with a stock... I can't even uh, imagine. Uh, so do you was, go, do you, do you just, when that happens, you turn the lights off and go home for the uh, night and lick your wounds? That happened at about 1.30 in the afternoon. I had two other guys, my buddies here with me, and uh, I swallowed that for about 15, 20 minutes. Tried not to break anything, tried not to cry. Yeah. And then I well, looked you just at just come in here in the air conditioning and fucking cuss and swear? And I looked at them and said, I don't know what you guys schedule is for the rest of the day but can one of you just stay long enough to help me get the motor out and then i'm going to tear it down and figure out what's going on i called the machine shop and asked what their availability was to help me out of obviously the emergency situation i had the motor out and apart by about six o'clock that night loaded up in my truck i was at the machine shop the next morning at 9 a.m um, they went through the whole motor in three days reassembled it I brought it back, put the rest of the top end together. Well, so, and, I mean, uh, so somebody made a mistake, obviously, and, but they, they, they stood behind it. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they did. So they, that's, it's, I mean, it's that's all good. good. Yeah. It's all good aside from, you know, obviously the... The initial, the initial yeah. shock obviously sucks, but... I had it back in, 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 in uh, six days, six <laughs> days back in and running, and you know. But I, that's, the, that's the high stakes that, you know, you don't want to get disqualified no matter what.
and there's still I feel like that's one of those things you don't come back from very easily like it, they're like you know we've spent money on you we've you know the, uh, you know the, everyone involved at Biltwell has been so good to myself and all of us in the competition through the whole process I really you know never really expect to get treated as well as they, they really do a lot for you that's great you know they, they really they said from the very beginning there would be this level of promotion and they have done all of that and more you know um, but at the same time you know they, they really require you to be on point it's 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 very serious yeah you know? I mean I, you know I, I I've been on record not being very favorable having not a very favorable opinion of them many many years ago I mean this this that that show's been around long enough now that um, my criticism of them was really kind of, I, I still stand behind it. I, cri I yeah. still criticize the decision that they made and why, and I won't even get into that because I've been asked not to, but um, by people involved, but not people involved on their end, people involved yeah. on the other end. But I was highly critical of, of them because I, I tend to believe, and, and I will say this, that I tend to believe that there is a bit of elitism with people in California. I wouldn't disagree with that. And uh, I don't think that that's the only place where cool things happen. I don't think that's the only place that quality um, ingenuity and quality engineering occur. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is certainly a hotbed of, of cool shit. Mm -hmm. I, I love California growing up. I mean, as a BMX yeah. kid growing up in California, that was your dream. Yeah. You know, you'd go to Huntington Beach and and ride for for GT or you know go to Venice Beach and, and ride with the pros uh, that are there hanging out during the day. I mean that yeah. that kind of shit happened, and, and I didn't. You know, by the time I got my drive, by the time I got out of high school and was eighteen and could get in my car and drive to California, I was already entrenched in cars and shit. So yeah. I wasn't leaving Detroit, but even the car scene in California is is a cool one. I had the same same dream with with skateboarding, coming up skateboarding and and becoming a an amateur skateboarder the california was always the the pros you looked up to and got influenced yeah. by but at the same time it was the same type deal with skateboarding you know i was fortunate enough to know some of the the east coast pros buck smith and reese simpson tom grahalski and a lot of those guys and right i forget what beastie boys record came out paul's boutique well they it had a sticker and the sticker was yay whatever size but all those east coast pros would cut it to make it say east boys and they put that on their helmets and that was a big rivalry of the east coast pros and the california pros and oh, no shit. the east coast pros were doing really well and but there wasn't a, a wasn't really so much of a rivalry no I get I was, a rivalry doesn't there's a lot that can be said in there but i was always very proud to to be from the east coast um and I've spoke about that a couple different times on some of the, the stuff that we've been documenting around here is uh, I'm still very proud to be from the East Coast. And yeah. that's been one of the things that's blown me away a lot with making it so far in this competition is the reality of, of being able to go to Born Free and show my bike and represent sure. Florida. The southeast. The yeah, east we get coast. bad rap in Florida by some people. <laughs> <laughs> Duly, uh, well deserved uh, for some yeah, of the shit that happens here. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't have any desire to live anywhere else. Really, I don't. Uh, I do like Florida. I like I like Florida a lot. But uh, yeah, it's interesting when when I made the final six to that competition, and you know we were already contracted to be bringing your bike to Born Free. 
and having to ride 50 miles. I could not imagine having built that bike and riding it on the Pacific Coast Highway. Well, it, was, it was something I couldn't really wrap my head around. Yeah, but that, you know? that's going to happen. Now, I mean, your yeah. bike's, you know, your bike's done. You're confident in the motor, mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's I've already put uh, 100 miles on it, and now we're just kind of. You know, we have a little bit of riding. Mitigating some of the... Shit, it did great, man. It did great. Really, no no issues at all. Well, I just mean like, little... you know, road rash or dense dings, scratches, that kind of shit. Yeah, I, scratched, I scratched the frame right out the gate and got that out of the way. Did you? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Little chip that, you know, you can see it. I, I won't point it out, but I was like, well, cool. That's out of the way. Yeah, that's Isn't a weird careful, thing. Isn't that a weird thing? Yeah, well, I have a different vibe about that now being able to... Uh, Painting a lot. I'm, I, I feel like everything's kind of fixable. It's just time to do it. You know. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to fix any of the candy paint for, you know. But it's just, you know. How many how many coats of paint are on on a paint job like that? Everybody always hears, well, it's got, like, uh, the back in the day, it was just got thirteen coats of paint and four coats clear. And I'm telling you, you can, you know. Yeah. And I, so. Well, I was fortunate enough to get uh, sponsored by uh, Tamco. Uh, and Tammy and, and company there have treated me really well on that and they they are known for their clear coats uh, and have some very serious uh, you know competitive to anything out there in the industry their euro clears and stuff or you know the, the thicker uh, more dense clear coats um, and, and all the candies and stuff on there I mean you get that root beer I, you know I go for a lot more coverage than three coats on a candy I go five or six Okay. So there's an enormous amount of, you know, layering and all that. And then the amount of, with all the graphics, the layering of the graphics, and especially the gas tank with the artwork on it, I mean, it's got a ton of clear. It's measured, they measure it in mill thickness is what I've, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn here, but that's what, what that's called. And uh, it's thick. So Super thick. Who are, who are your, I, I'm, you have your own brand of flames. I don't know if you know that or not. But I your don't. flames are your flames are very. Um, don't take this the wrong way because I think it's a compliment. Because I love your I love your flame work a lot. Because my my favorite flames in the whole world are I was told in Detroit uh, growing up that they're called Ohio flames. That they're just like really linear, real thin, mm -hmm. and they go down. You know, and they're real long like flames, right? And then there's the seaweed flame that right. that is very. Um, period correct for there's a there's a period of time there where seaweed flames 60, are, 70s yeah i would say period. 65 yeah. to 75 kind of mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. um where yours are kind of a i could see yours yours are very cartoony to me but cartoony like um the roadrunner and coyote kind of like that era a little bit so there's that you ever watched did you watch cartoons as growing oh, yeah, up i mean yeah, everybody yeah. did right yeah. do you remember when there was a group there was a year like there's an era of cartoons that were not the hand-drawn ones like we were used to when our that came out when our parents were kids. Mm -hmm. They were very almost like over-processed, like they didn't kind of hadn't figured out digital or something. But Tom and Jerry did it. Like you can watch Tom and Jerry from the beginning. There's like there's the beginning cartoons, then there's the middle cartoons, and then there's the end. And yeah. then there was Warner Brothers from like. It kind of in the same space we're talking about where there was like this cartoon way of doing cartoons where you could see there was a new group of illustrators that come out and then you know and then you get yeah. then you get the Danny Antonucci's that, that mm -hmm. come out and they they revolutionize cartoons this again. Would, this would be a really good conversation. My brother is a animation artist for he does the DuckTales 
cartoon. No shit. Okay. Yeah, he's super big time and all that stuff. Worked so he for probably knows who Danny Antonucci is. Yeah, he he would know for sure. He's super super talented. He's got a really great cartoon career. That's and awesome. He's a really good artist. But we came up. My whole my dad was an artist. He painted watercolored oil based paint and was very involved in music and all kinds of stuff like that. But um, the flames, I got into doing flames from the Von Dutch books, from building cars with my buddies. Hell, that's coming up on 20 years ago that we were building cars. And you know, you read all those books and the Barris Customs books and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And there was like, the seaweed flames were, no, no. <laughs> you know, there's like, you don't do them that way. You do the flames proportionately exact certain way. And now that I have to do different variations of flames, that's the flames that are on Francine are the most natural flames. I think they're the most perfect to, flame. I mean, that honestly, I know, that yeah, I know how to do. You know, like Perowitz is known for flames, and his mm -hmm. flame, I love his flame work. Yeah, he's like, you know awesome I mean? flames. He's just awesome. Yeah, because yeah. his his bikes are interesting to me. He's one of those guys that has been doing it forever, and you know, and I, yeah, I give yeah, a yeah. great amount of praise to, to him. Yeah, and his bikes, I like that. Some people, when they build their bike, like everything has to be from their shop, and mm -hmm. I'm totally cool with that. Like, right. But you can see what that does to me. Like I'm, I'm a connoisseur of motorcycles, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm. Mm -hmm. So when I see somebody build everything, I see what they're good at. Right. I see what they're really good at. Right. I see what they're better than anybody at, and then I see what they don't know how to do. Yeah. And, and so I don't share that with. With, I don't share the specifics with people. Right. But when right. I look at a bike, I'm like, if everything has to be from your shop, I understand that because mm -hmm. that's how that's how you grow. Right. 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 Um, and you don't really have much derivative work. Mm -hmm. But when I look at somebody, I, I I'm a fan. Like I really am a fan of certain people's work. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So Me too. I, Me too. I don't have to learn how to paint. Yeah. I know a good paint job from a bad paint job. Right. I know I can be critical. I can be. I can, you know, show praise where it's due. Um, I I like a, I like a bike that that you that is completed correctly because you understand the pieces and parts that you don't do well, so you find someone else who can do that. And so that's somewhere where I will give Dave a lot of praise. Is yeah. he's been building bikes for well over forty years. Right, right. And he has built some bikes from the ground up, but most of his bikes are put together so well because he understands what he does so well because he's been doing it for so long mm -hmm. that it's not it's not a uh, it's not hard for him to use somebody else's part. You understand what well, I'm saying? And he's got enough credit that he doesn't have to worry about you know he he can go with what fits better and that's you know it, and his bikes are awesome. I see some so I'm just going to I'm going to make some assumptions looking at this bike. I mean this bike is not derivative at all at all like francine is very uniquely you did some things to it that were so far outside of anyone's comfort zone that if it, if not pulled off correctly would make it some look scary like clown things shoes. some scary no, things that happen there <laughs> but i'm saying there's some things on this bike that that if if you took the part away from the project and set it on the table it'd be hard to go i agree like like i'm just gonna be honest with you and tell you when i the seat Right. Yeah, is yeah. there's a that's there's a lot going on there, and yeah. it's not on the correct project and not given the correct amount of uh, optics. 
would not that you couldn't put that on something else. No, no, no. You're not going to put that no. on a, a, a but even a beautiful if that bike was painted all one color, that seat doesn't work. It's, that seat wouldn't work on a white bike. No, no, no. not even on a black, black bike. No, no. I, when I had the well, the whole the one of the bigger design premises of the bike was I really wanted to do the flip flop. Mm -hmm. One color paint. On I have side, not heard one that. Color on, heard, on the other yeah. side, you know, and the, I told a bunch of different people. There's multiple different color designs that were going on with that, and uh, I just thought that those two candies. I, I like both of those colors, but it ended up accidentally being a lot less risky because they're so close. So you can't, you almost have to point out that the bike's two different colors side to side. But anyway, getting back to the seat and having that beginning design, once it, this was raw, the bike's complete, everything's good to go. These are the colors, now we start going from here. I knew that the seat naturally would have been a Bates sprung seat, you know, guitar pick style seat, just what everybody else would have done. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't do what you would expect to see. So doing that style seat and then going, well, what color is it going to be? And then trying to pick. That seat's four colors. Yeah. When I, when I had it all laid out, I started it one day. It took three and a half days to do. Did you make that seat? Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, there's a video that on it. Uh, the, so the you hole. made that seat? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I made the, made the whole seat. Seat pan, foam, whole, whole deal. So when I had, you know, before you stitch it up, you have to dye it in the stages. So it's all these little tiny pieces. And the top piece, first of all, blending leather dye doesn't happen like an airbrush. And you can't do it like that with an airbrush because it wouldn't hold up to wear. You have to blend it with water correctly and by hand. So that's something I wasn't really super great at. Do you have any idea how much that seat would cost if done by, say, Paul or Dwayne? I don't know, but you don't, I, you don't have any you I, don't have any concept. I, I know that. what I would charge for it. So, and you don't have to tell me, but you know that would probably be a, a four thousand dollars seat. It's up there. Yeah, it's up there. I mean, you know. Bill probably wouldn't even touch that. Uh, Rich Phillips. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with him. We know each other a little bit on. on he's the he's kind of he's kind of went he's kind of gone a little MIA in the industry, and, and yeah. he and I were we. we Palled around a little bit, you know, many, 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 many years, over a decade ago, back when that whole Limp Nicky lot was going on. Yeah, that's yeah. part of that. But that's a, I didn't know that you made the seat. Because yeah. that, that's where I wanted to go with this. And, you know, I wanted you to give some shouts out to somebody that maybe, see, here's the thing with your bike. I'm always looking for, um, the other thing that I, I'm, here's what I'm, what I consider myself probably as good as anybody in the world, is knowing a quality part from a piece of shit. Right. Right. So, I will tell you that most people will pick a part that they don't give a shit about. Mm -hmm. And then, so they put whatever is available out there and they'll, they'll, they'll compromise. They're not compromising. They don't see that they're compromising. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they're doing it cognizantly. I'm, I'm doing it like, I'll give you an example. Some, a part that doesn't matter to a lot of people is a kickstand. Right. But it's down when you're displaying the bike. Yeah. And so... I'm always looking at that's some, that's one of the ones that's, that's like a premium part that I make sure on all my bikes I use a certain kind it's of It's got sticks. a weird kickstand, it's gonna look funny. Well, and if it doesn't have a quality kickstand, because there's a lot of manufacturers that are producing parts still to this day that 
because people don't care about kickstands, you mm -hmm. can buy a lot of shitty ones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's one of those things. So I'm I'm I'm, and I'm looking at your bike and and I'm going, okay, why did he pick this part? Why did he pick that part? And I'll, I'll you know, you obviously you want the bike to you want it to run well. You want it to have street manners for traffic. So you put a you've got a super E on it or a G, one of the two. I had a linker. Uh, the the motor was completely stock when I did the kind of quote unquote barn find of it, and. When we had when we we're supposed to ride 50 miles in California, I, I was leery of my experience with Linkerts, even though everybody claims they're the most simple carburetor and all this, that, the other thing. I I just have really good luck with some of them, and really bad luck with some of them. When was you the know? last time a Linkert carburetor was made brand new? Oh shoot, I don't even know. So exactly. So I, I just know what I know from. Carburetors are just knowing that they leak at the throttle shafts, and then you know they leak. Well, at the butterfly. I'm coming to learn that there's a bunch of quirky things about Linkerts. Even the mine, we rebuilt it, blasted it, and everything. And you know, some of my my older uh, friends would tell me all the little quirky things, like, well, if this shaft is a little bit loose, then your butterfly is not going to seat correctly, or it's going to shake really microscopically when you're rolling down the road and keep an inconsistent idle. And stuff like yeah. that, and and uh, you know I, I love learning about all the all the old stuff. But anyway, I, I ended up changing out the plumber fittings and going with with the Super E, and because um, I just I I like the accelerator pump. I mean, <laughs> you know, some some nostalgia <laughs> guys are going to be bombed that I would say that, but you know I got plenty of stuff that you know that was very important. Well, it doesn't it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb or anything. Was also worried about that. I was also worried about that because it, it. Uh, you didn't draw any attention to it in a in a, in a way that is uh, incongruent with the rest of the bike. So if you would have powder coated it black, I think it would have looked fucking horrible. <laughs> right. I mean, I think you just kind of. It's one of those things where no one can fault you for that, really. Um, that it's that it's tried and true. It works. I mean, if you had a Makuni on there, it would look like it, it, it would be too like modern. At least contraption. Yeah, at least the SNS kind of. Is, Have you ever used a Super B? It's been a while. Those are a miserable fucking carburetor, but they're I, so cool looking. They look great. They look great, but, you know, again, I like the accelerator pump. But I will. I can give a shout-out to um, some people that did make some stuff yeah. on, on the bike. Um, so the handlebars and risers, Tom Faber, I had been stalking him <laughs> for... For lack of a better term. Uh, just every time he would post some handlebars, I'm like, God, that's what I'm going to do when I get the panhead together. And... You know, the panhead was going to be 16-inch rear wheel, 18-inch front, basically a stock panhead with the hinge part of the fender off of it and an, the knucklehead front end that I got in the barn find. I was going to put that on it. And I wanted, I liked kind of the, you know, the, the racy-looking bikes. So I had bought those handlebars and risers for him, from him, and he, he had made them for me. And then I entered the People's Champ competition so they were already coming, and I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to do with these race bars, you know? But fortunately, they're like kind of like narrowed little mini apes, so they work for the, the choppery vibe, no, those, you know? Those are, the bar, those are the perfect bars for that. Yeah, it ended up working Did out Did Ryan great. make those grips for you? Uh, no. Um, Drew at Freak Show Fab okay. made all the resin stuff, the grips. Uh, the grips, the shift knob. The hand shift knob, which has got the Esso Tiger coin in it, mm -hmm. um, the carburetor kit with the choke, 
and the idle adjust screw. Yeah, I saw that. That was clever. I and, thought that was, that was clever. Uh, and man, how nice is it when, you know, that bike and, and you know, a, a lot of the older stuff seems to have that, man, they're, they're cold natured. So you fire them up and you, you really, that idle screw, I, I find to be very useful because I like to fire them up and I can idle it up, let it warm up, you know, idle it down after you're truly warmed up after a mile or whatever it may be. And then that way at the next stoplight you hit, you're not screaming at 11, yeah. 11 1200 RPMs. You can reach over and just yeah, tune, my, it, tune it down and it's great. My favorite fuel system on like a shovel head, unless it's a, you know, a high, you know, like high horsepower type thing, which sounds like an oxymoron, um, is a, a Zenith Bendix mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with an adjustable main jet. Yeah. I mean, they just, they're such a small CFM carb that the low RPM signal is so fantastic for, you know, a 74 inch motor. Yeah. Which I like 74 inch motors. So I'm going to have a yeah. shovel head. I'm going to have a 74 inch, you know, low compression, maybe, you know, a, a small Andrews cam, something yeah. like that, or a line yeah. Weber in there. And we're building a pan head right now for, well, it's, Panhead bottom, uh, shovel heads on it mm -hmm. with a big line Weber cam. It's it's going to be a pretty hot motor, but it's it's such an amalgamation of all these different parts and pieces. And the the guy who we're doing it for is a really really nice guy. He just I don't think he he's got a lot of motorcycles and he's ridden this all the way to Born Free and back from oh, Lakeland wow. in a rigid frame and impressive. Blew it up halfway home and had hand ground it, you know, welded on a camshaft and ground it to get home. Kind of, I mean, one of them kind of stories, wow, you know. Wow. And so he wanted that motor rebuilt, and so we, I said, once we split these cases, we're going, you know, we yeah. have to go all the way. And the cases were cracked in four or five different places, really bad, all the way through, all the yeah, way around. Yeah. And I sent him up to Wisconsin to uh, Advanced Cycle Machining mm -hmm. to get them fixed. And I told him, don't metal finish any of it. He wants it to look like Frankenstein. And but he doesn't. I don't think he 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 doesn't understand how much work it is to try to build something for him that he can do what he wants to do on. And because he's one of these, yeah. dude, I can do it. You know, he's one of those kind of guys. And it's like, man, I know you think you can. Yeah. Um, but I'm the person that I. You know, I'm when it comes to an engine like that, I job quite a bit of that out to somebody who's yeah. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And slow and particular mm -hmm. and has put enough parts together to where that interference is like, that's not, it's still not there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go back yeah. over here and hand massage it and put mm -hmm. it back in, you know, 15 times. Yeah. And that's what you're paying for, you know? Yeah. You're paying a little extra for that. And it's going to take a, a lot extra longer time, you know? And this guy's like, I want it, I want it, I want it. I'm like, look, man, you're just going to have to respect the process. And he doesn't want to hear that. It's so, hard to keep people in, in, in enthused as things get long-term, you know, it, yeah, the old I mean, bikes take forever. <laughs> they <laughs> just do. What is a, what is a typical, like how long did your machine shop have that? You said they, the engine bill went on for two years. What was the? Well, that was just because they were doing other projects for me and that was my personal one. So I was kind of like, well, no big deal. Of course, rush, it you know. always gets pushed to the back, right? But it's usually, uh, you know, usually, but, Two months, two months, three months, <laughs> something like that. You know, that's, but find an alternative. Do it yourself. Yeah. You know, which what is, is, what is, so, what is alleyways like day to day? 
Um, like, like, how do you keep the lights on? I mean, it's 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 chill to be here and see that you have lots of stuff going on. That's that's obvious, and you have lots of talents. That's well, obvious. Um, thank you. Um, in Jacksonville, there, there's a lot of uh, pretty decent money in custom paint. So right now, and, and, it, and it changes. It seems to fluctuate annually. You know, but right now, predominantly custom paint work, all the other builds and uh, stuff that we do is semi-secondary. Um, and there's six builds going on right now, I think. We, we got swamped last week and filled up for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, I usually take on a big paint project monthly. Um, and that covers your nut? Depending on small big sometimes a, a smaller paint job will pay just as uh, good as a as a bigger one if it's more complicated and you know crazier paneling and candies and uh, leafing and, and all that stuff but you know and then we're still like I said focused on 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 building there's quite a few bike builds going on you know but the, the customers I get that those are long-term projects where that's not gonna you know, 70% of those are, well, this is going to take four or five months. And then I do get people that come in with the big wad of cash they want to throw down and how quick can we do this. And you do them like that, but they're not as, they're not as frequent as the longer term ones, you know. Those, are, those customers, I feel like, are never happy either. Well, I'm for the least happiest. Yeah, well, I don't just do them for whoever. Yeah, you know, you which, which is a nice feeling. That's, to that's, have. that's a tough lesson to learn in business, isn't it? Just to say no. <laughs> to say no. To say no. I don't think that we're going to be able to jive doing this, and and uh, you know, but I do a lot of uh, bike builds for for tattoo artists all over the country. You know, some famous guys, and and they are very understanding. They're usually on the same page with the design. You know, we just you know, can discuss a budget and. Man, they're stoked. We get to do a bunch of cool stuff because they, they're into stuff like we're into BMX, skateboarding, punk rock music, you know. I mean, you get to do all those little influences on the bikes, and that's what makes them cool. And, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a muscle that we learn to develop and, and kind of uh, work it that we can start to see where something's going to be problematic. And so you try to do that, like before I actually do any real substantive work for somebody, I'm usually, I want to spend some time with them because I want to figure them out. Yeah. And I want to figure out where their hot button is and what they really want. And, and I think some of the best jobs are some of the ones that I've turned down, you know, yeah. because they, I want the customer to be happy. And if they're not going to be happy with me and I know it, well, yeah, I need to be happy with their work. You yeah. know, so I try well, you, you don't want to feel like every day when, when you're coming into work that something's your fault because of somebody that doesn't have... The right amount of money or they're delusional about how much something costs or how long and, something should take i yeah. love when people that don't do it tell me that how long it should take because they either yeah. paid somebody to do it before that did it faster than me or it's I, I know how long it takes for me to do something yeah you know what i mean i don't rush anything anymore it's one of the things i've learned at at, at my age is that fuck man if i have to work if i have to force something to happen sometimes it feels gross when you get it you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, there's certain things you have to make happen, right? Yeah. But there's certain things that if I had to work this hard to make this happen, it needs to be something that makes me happy. And when it's not, I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It, it's, uh, that's why we don't do any maintenance work, really. I do maintenance work on bikes that we've built. And for a couple people, if they're cool, 
and they get it, then we'll take in a little bit of maintenance work here and there, especially to help out friends and stuff like that. You know, I will do some maintenance work for some friends, but for the most part, you know, the maintenance stuff, you, the people come in and they, they have an issue with the bike and all of a sudden it's your fault why they didn't maintain their, their bike. We've had these discussions about, yeah. you know, I use the clutch analogy of, well, just because you came in with a clutch adjustment and then all of a sudden you and your buddies didn't put the right amount of fluid in something or didn't adjust the primary chain frequently enough and I pull your stuff apart and it's wasted and you only had $400 but now we have a $1,200 problem. And the bike's stuck here and I'm trying to help you out but you're bummed out and got a bad attitude towards me because... I don't have anything to do with your bike before it got here. Exactly. You know. I mean, I've learned to navigate those waters pretty, pretty quickly, and 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 just fucking be real honest with the customer right front. You know, if you want me to touch it any further, like you know, I have a guy that brought a bike that was just, I feel bad for him to one degree. I mean, he picked a shop to do work that wasn't doing a good job. Yeah. But. I'm sorry. It's like a death in the family. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. I'm sorry that you gave this guy a bunch of money. It doesn't have anything to do with me. And I'm certainly not going to do anything. And it's a shame when, close when you to get, re, redoing you, his work for free. Yeah, it's a shame when you get people that come in and they're soured by others. I get that in the paint world all the time. You know, mm -hmm. with with people around here because having get being fortunate to get a bunch of work from the dealership, there, there's a, a lot of painters that tell people, "You're going to love what I do. You're going to love it." And then, you know, the bike's bolted together and people don't like the color. They don't like some art or designs that were done on it. And they come here and go, oh, I don't want this to be like my last experience. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to change things to do a different kind of customer service. Be real thorough with everything. Make sure you wear 100% on what we're going to do in the colors. And then that's what I like about it. Because once you establish the price and what we're going to do, all you got to do is do your job. Yeah. Do it right. Try to do it the best you can. And everybody's stuck. People pick up paint and they're holding it out in the sun and they're just so happy. And it's well, like. You make or break anything. I mean, yeah. that's a make or break piece. Yeah. Right. I, I, you know, I've got a painter that I've worked with for years and he's been on this podcast before. And, I, you know, and it's just, it's such a toxic situation to where I can't. I mean, it's, it's just toxic is the only way I know how to describe it. It's like, yeah. how can you fuck the socks off of this many people and walk around. Yeah. I just don't get it, and that's what he did. He, yeah. he, I mean, he. I don't even think he'll admit it or what. I don't care if he doesn't. I mean, I. I it's it's my my experience with painters has been so hot and cold. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's some of them are real screwballs. It's it blows me away how it seems so complicated. When there are variables where people would want to lie and be deceptive about stuff, but man, I don't. It, it, I don't, I don't, I try to be real honest. This is a, a realistic timeline on what it's going to take to do your job. This is when it should start. If the ones in front of you go good, if they're not, I'm going to text you and let you know we're not on for Monday, we're on for Friday, or we're on for whatever. And it seems like just using basic, <laughs> I don't even know what the principles are, just be an honest, good person about things. And, you know, right. and people are like, wow, I can't believe you started the job when you said you were going to do can't believe it was done when you said it was going to be done. Or I can't believe you were honest. I can't believe you stayed in communication with me. All these basic principles. <laughs> principles of business. Are, yeah. And, and, and people are just, they've been burnt so many times by different stuff. And it's a shame it's going on in, in the industry. Where, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Paint is a lot of money. And, and, and I, I understand why. I yeah. completely understand why paint's a lot of money. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it's like, if you're going to, Get, if you're going to collect the top dollar, you need to do 
your best work, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, so let's talk about a little bit more about, like, I'm, I'm going back to Francine here because she's the newest one in the stable and, um, you know, I see some influences. I've told you this yesterday. I've seen um, some influences from Indian Larry. Mm -hmm. I see some influences, and this may just be happenstance, but I see some, some Warren Lane-esque mm -hmm. type yep. uh, influences. But on paint, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm thinking, are you a Robert Pratke fan? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm, I don't see, I, I just kind of see, like, the, the kind of quality and the use of different different well that's a huge compliment because robert's a, a super badass painter um you know the the paint job on francine um you know i i knew even though the people's champ was up in the air about who was going to advance to whatever i knew where at least where the bike was going to end up and i knew what style bikes there are at that show right you know, 60% of them, whatever, you know, there's, there's plenty of other ones that are wild and crazy and yeah. amazing people doing feats of engineering and just stuff that you're blown away by. But the majority of the bikes in California, are, you know, five, six, seven different styles, long bikes, short bikes, whatever. Um, I knew that I had to really try to truthfully, for whatever you, people's interpretations are and whatever you choose to believe, to do a late 50s, early 60s style chopper and the paint would have to be reflective of that, you know? Um, and, and maybe that was a stretch with the candies, maybe being a later 60s, 70s, but <laughs> you certainly couldn't have done a huge bass boat metal flake and had that bike look. No, it's, 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 it's it has a, a bit of panache to it that a lot of people don't go all the way in on. Yeah. Like, uh, I like some of the Art Deco style stuff yeah. a little bit, you know, um, and but the challenging part of, of the gas tank paint was how it tear dropped, and I in taking an inch out of the tank, it created a peak on the side, which meant that everything had to flow even more so in a horizontal fashion, where you would want to put like a spear or a scallop on the side to try to have that body line fall within whatever you were going to do, but doing the flip-flop paneling, they also had to connect all the way around. The panels connect and they blend, whereas the tangerine panel on the carburetor side of the bike that comes around, well, it, right where the back edge of the tank, well, that, that panel connects and it does a candy blend into the root beer on the other side. And then the panel up above it does an opposite blend from root beer to tangerine and the panel underneath it does the same. So when you go to paint and blend all those ones together, a lot of variables. <laughs> and, and, Is this a know, paint job that you enjoy doing? Like, you know. It was like, super fun. Okay, so because there's certain things, like I've talked to certain people in the business that have done something, they're done some amazing feats, and they're, and they're like, so are you gonna do it again? And they're like, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, so they push themselves so far out of an area where I don't want to say comfort zone because I think everybody, every one of us pushes ourselves in this industry. Anybody that's that's uh, successful puts themselves in such a, an un uncomfortable position to be mm -hmm. comfortable that it never happens. Right? And, and if so, you're going to try to achieve something better than the last one you did, you you have to try to push it. Right. And, but and, so one of the things you do, like you look at a guy like um, Vintage Technologies. Yes. 
that's what I was talking about with God. mechanical feats of engineering. That guy <laughs> breaks. Whoa. That guy hurts my head. Yeah, and he's so not. Awesome. And he's you know I've never talked to him, but I've seen you know some stuff about him and that. And from what I gather, he's just like it's just what he does. So yeah. it's not. He's not amazed. Like some people are, you know, like. It's like the the old cat analogy, you know, the cat kills a mouse and brings it to you and presents it to you and is yeah. looking at you like, what do you think? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's a dead mouse, right? Um, that's what cats do. Yeah, right, well, right. That that hawk guy is is that's what he does. Yeah. So, you know, um, who's the other guy? Um, C. T. Newman. Christian some... can go fuck himself. He's so talented <laughs> that so I can't crazy. even like his stuff. And you see him. And then you see his work, and you can't you can't draw a clear line to the two. Like you see yeah. him riding around Sturgis on a, you know an old sporty with fucking he's got these prison striped pants on, and he's kind yeah. he's not he's not with a turbo on it or something. He's kind of a character, you know what right, I mean? Like right, he, right. he's just kind of a he's he's having fun doing it. Yeah. And then you you look at like vintage technology, vintage technologies, and what well, he does, and and how there's certain people who go all the way and that, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier where there's not there's not a thoughtless part on any one of Hawk's bikes. Yeah. Every yeah. part on his bike has thought put into it. So there's a purpose for it, right? There's a yeah. reason why it is the way it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's just to make you scratch your head. Sometimes it's make you to it's designed to make you think that it can't work. But other times yeah. it's because it has to work. And for him, it has to, it can't just work. It has to, it has to be, you know, yeah, otherworldly. And so when people, when you ask somebody, like they do something, if they're going to do it again, and they say no, it's because they're mitigating the potential for failure because well, there's well, not a lot of places you can go. Like you were talking yeah. about earlier, like, you know, you're do, you start laying something out and then you can go over here with it or you can go over here with it and you choose the lesser of two evils or the one you like the most or what. Well, there's not there's not a clear path to getting out of that fucking room. Well, it's taken this. I, I was telling somebody the other day. This is what I would call the third rendition of the same format of building a motorcycle. That I did the Silverfish bike, which is a whole different subject we can get off off on. But the the Silverfish was the first bike that I tried to start blending all of having design control over the seat, the style seat, the hand tooling, and the designs on the seat. I realized I could take the paint job and take elements of paint that you can transfer into the leather and tie the two together. So then when it goes from... But you gotta be careful with that too, because I've seen to, people that do that and end up... There's a bike yeah. that's a real famous bike that was built years and years ago and it's got a fucking saddle seat on it and it's got like pistol holders in it. And everybody's right, right. seen this bike. I don't know yeah, who owns yeah, it, yeah, I don't know who yeah. built it, but it's ugly. I'll yeah. just tell you if, you, know, if you built it, there's a, there's a lot of money thrown at this thing and a lot of effort thrown yeah. at this thing and a lot of parts thrown at this thing and, and it was, it didn't, it, it's clown shoes, yeah. right? So you got to be careful the, with that the too. Silver, the Silverfish was the first one, um, and I'll go back to my friend Scott Taylor, the Godfrey Vintage Cycles guy. He, he came down, and that was the first rendition of light casting we were doing. And the Silverfish is owned by a guy, uh, Gabe. He lives down in Cape Canaveral area. Um, he's also three brothers. It's not three brothers racing. It's, it's something very close to, he races. Okay. I painted a bike for him. Uh, he's a real nice guy, but anyway, he owns a silverfish, and the silverfish, the lights, had cast fish scales in them, headlight and taillight. Okay. The paint job, the bike's 
uh, metallic silver blue and cobalt blue. Okay. Fish scales in the paint. Then the seat had some variations of the same fish scale patterns the, the whole bike. So I did that bike and then Chris Rosenberg that works with me here now, we did his shovel head, which is coincidentally root beer also, but the same deal, headlight, taillight, some cast parts and all the paint, the designs in the paint, which is, was a different kind of elongated panel, but I did the same panels in his seat. So by the time this one came around, the point of that whole ramble was, this was my third try at trying to piece all that together. So the gas tank was a focal point of the design and is almost like half of a hard-boiled egg, but sectioned. So I knew headlights, hard-boiled egg squash, but vertical instead of horizontal, tail light the same way. And then I knew I had some outline panel ideas that I kind of use frequently to do a lot of the leather stuff. So I decided to do the panel of the artwork in the same kind of, it's almost like a Spanish scallop border, mm -hmm. which is you com commonly done it in a lot of uh, hand-tooled leather stuff. But I knew if I did that around the artwork, I could do the same panels around the seat. And this time, instead of carving them in the seat like I did Chris's, this time I layered them in a separate leather panel that's stitched in a different color. Well, that's on what I'm each saying. There's, there's, there's a lot going on there that, if it's not done correctly, I mean, it, it's really it's a strong focal point that doesn't detract. I remember the day that I put that seat, I built Francine in here. Right. Which is the first time I did a bike in here. This is what the room was, I was supposed to, that's why the lift's in here. You're supposed to be able to assemble in the AC or heat if you wanted to. But the problem is half the tools you need are on the outside part of the shop. But anyway, the day that I put the seat they on the bike. They need to make a toolbox that the drawers open on both sides of the toolbox. Yeah, like a fireplace both sides. I just have it right there and it just goes either way. But the day that I put the seat, I had it all zip tied together so you didn't have to stitch it. Mm -hmm. And all the colors were there. And I walked over and went to go sit on the bike. And I was like, this is either going to work really well or this is going to be like a circus like you want to throw up. Yeah. It'll be too much. And I set it on and I went, man, I don't hate it right now. And there was nobody else around. And Jason, the painter next door to me, it was like a weird day, like a Sunday morning or something. I wasn't supposed to be here and I didn't expect anybody to be around. He pulled up to get something out of the shop. I went running out there and I was like, hey, hey, come look at this. Come look at this. And he's like, what's up? I go, no, I just did this. I wanted you to check it out and see. I just need an opinion. And he came in and he was like, dude. I go, is it good or not? He goes, it's so awesome that he got like, Kind yeah, of, it's he, very. He, when, I, I I know exactly what you're talking about because when you told me, I didn't know that you did that seat, and I I, I saw the seat online, and I was like, oof, that that can go either way. Yeah, because the way if I remember correctly, the way you had it presented, and it just shows you that I don't read I'll always read the captions. Sure, right? sure. I just knew sure. that that was the seat that was going on that right, bike, right. And, that, and then, you know, there's been plenty of of uh, media coverage of that particular bike. And by the way, it, it, none of it does it really. It's it's such a warm bike it, when you're around I appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know what I mean? It has it already has like an aura that's very warm. I, and and part of it has to be where you have it presented. But it, presenting it out front too. Yesterday when we took those pictures, uh, it's different it, in the sunlight. It is different than the sunlight. But you, you know, um, how many hours do you have in that seat? I've, I just got to ask. In the seat, I got three and a half days, pretty close to ten. 
plus hour days, so 40-ish hours. Okay. 40, but. So a $4,000 seat. Possibly. You know what I mean? Possibly. So I'm not wrong, is what yeah. I'm saying, is like that's what yeah. that you should, that's what. The matching bag that goes with I, it on the yeah, side is, that. you know, that, that's why you started talking about Rich Phillips a little bit and some of the leather guys that um, you don't see a, a lot of them. Uh, I'm sure they stay plenty busy. I don't mean to sound like that. No, no, but, but the leather work is very hard to get paid for. You know, I tell people all the time, like, I don't, uh, that, that bag right there is set amount of money and it's going to be triple of what you would probably pay somebody else to build for you. It's not even compatible to a catalog bag price, but I can show them why and be like, no, I mean, you know, I think that I would, I would, I would honestly expect that you sell a seat or two once somebody sees this bike in person with a bag. Maybe, maybe. But, but I mean, it, but here's the thing, it's good enough job to where if somebody doesn't want to pay what it costs, then that's, that's okay too. You can enjoy looking at mine. <laughs> yeah, you know, hold on one second. Yeah, no worries. Hey buddy, how's it going? Thank Probably you. Got it. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're doing a podcast here, so we'll get you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Oh, the old 3M brand. Ultra yeah. fine machine polish. Man, I just stick with what works. You know, isn't no it issues. funny that there is, uh, and we can, we, I think we should talk about that because I, I get to talk to painters, you know, I, Booster Brad's a, a real good friend of mine, mm -hmm. you know, and he's a painter and now he's a manufacturer and he's a bike builder and, and stuff. And I, I tend to look when I'm at, you know, when I'm at someone's shop or in their workspace, what kind of, um, behind the scenes money they spend on things like that. Yeah. That's, that's what's this probably a $25 bottle. 20, it should be retail 20, it's, you know, 23. Okay. 23. But you know, I've been fortunate even getting into this to have some some great people, even the, the reps for some of the, the paint companies around it, they really knew their stuff. And I started buying like that 3M little sander right there is a whole kit. It's a um, it's a wet sanding application. So that's, you know, you start with 1,500, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000. And the 3M rep guy comes <laughs> out because I was having issues with it. He goes, no. This is how you do it, and this is how you whatever. And I'm like, I don't care as long as it's not a super crazy elaborate process, but I want it at the end of it to be just phenomenal. And I love that there's people that, that that know that kind of stuff. Like, I like that yeah. there's people that work in the paint industry, and I know fuck all about it, really, but I, I've seen it firsthand. That's why I'm commenting on it. That They're not even really, they're not painters, but they know all of the mechanics of the chemicals and all the mechanics of the process mm -hmm. so well that somebody like you that is an artist and has all of these talents that that when you see your work you're blown away with it and you have a problem and there's a guy that knows his product line so well I had some I heard that he can come in that... and he can tell you Oh well, that's because of this, and that's because of the, oh, you, the, you know. I got an awesome guy like, now. His yeah. name's uh, Pat, Pat Dry, and he works for Tamco. But he used to be with a couple different companies. And uh, you call that guy up. If I called him right now and said we couldn't figure out our blue, yeah, he would be. I'll be over there, and I'll be over in about an hour. I'll tell you every variation of how 
you can get that color. He's he's the last person to call. We're trying to do it the easy way. But, sure, yeah, yeah. But they know if if yeah, because oh. you can't use those up. You can use or let me rephrase it. You can use those up. Like I feel like there's certain people that I've met in my career that when I meet them, they give me a currency. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's yeah. akin to the get out of jail free cards. Yeah. In in Monopoly. Yep. And they give you, some people give you one of those. Some people give you two of those. Some people will not give you any. I mean, I've, I've, I've thought I was friends with somebody because I had their number that they gave me. And then you call them or you text them and you get a very awkward conversation out of them to where you know, like, okay, this isn't this isn't somebody I can call in a clutch. This yeah. is somebody I can call to do business with. I I minimize the amount of time I'm on the phone with them, and we're not we're not really friends. Yeah. And then there's other people that I'm friends with, but they're not solving my problems, so they give me a couple of get out of jail free cards. Man, you know I'm, what I mean? I'm really fortunate that that I've had those get out of jail free cards and I, I'm, I apologetically abuse them. <laughs> I am sorry. Can I buy you lunch? Can I, whatever, can, yeah. I, can I give you whatever, you know, and a lot of people help out. I try to help out people whenever I can because that example set. But there's a lot of work you can do on your end of, of making sure that people know that they can call, call on you too. Sure. And, and, sure. and that's, it's a humbling phone call when you call somebody and they help you and they're like somebody you look up to. Yeah. And it's an entirely different thing when somebody you know that you look up to calls you yeah. and wants to make sure that that you know that if you need help from them, that they're of it. Like the call I got yesterday when I was here that I had to take. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah. okay, I haven't talked to him. I literally can't tell you the last time he and I spoke. Mm -hmm. But he's one of those dudes that we communicate well enough online, you know, through posts and stuff sure. like that. And uh, for him to call and make sure that, you know, that I had enough bullets and enough, you know, that everything was fine yesterday yeah. to get through what we're going through. That, you know, I was like, okay. But that dude's, and I won't hear from him again for a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless I, I call that, him. But I don't call him and bug him for, for dumb shit. Yeah. You know? I have that relationship with Bill Dodge. In the first couple times he called me and... Certainly wasn't asking a question of my knowledge or anything, but just needed me for, hey, can you, what about this? Or could you help? It's usually like seat stuff or something like that. And he and I had become friends over a few years, you know, and uh, I, I was very flattered, like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> you he's, know? Uh, you know, he and I, he, he and I have a very long friendship and very, sure. we're, uh, we're kind of like, I would say that we're, um, our relationship is very, we're very aware of what kind of relationship we have with each other. Yeah. And um, we both know that we can call each other anytime. Um, we just tend not to just because we both know how busy the other one is and sure. how sure. how valuable each other's time it is. It even feels good like that when someone like that answers their phone. He's never not like answered right the phone right like and not call me right back. Like yeah. the bill is, bill is yeah. um, you know, especially, thank God. Uh, that he's come through this yeah. because, it, you know, um, this isn't, I'm not bragging or anything. I'm just saying I was, I would say that I had the, I had the misfortune of being one of the 
people in the small group of people that were talking when all that came down to where it was, yeah. there was, we really didn't, we didn't know. That's yeah. all I'll say is we didn't know. We didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. There yeah. wasn't, he couldn't tell us what was going to happen. You know, like some people are like, hey man, I'm fucked up, but I'm all right. Yeah. Like I'll get through this. Everything's going to mm -hmm. be fine. Yeah. Well, that conversation didn't happen with Bill till weeks into it. Right. 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 And I still haven't spoke to him on the phone because I don't, He's got enough going. I need Bill. Well, here's what I need. I need Bill to get better. Yeah. I, you know, I need Bill to, to make sure that he's healthy. I don't need to burden Bill with me being worried about him. Because yeah. to be honest with you, right now I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, I know he's on the mend. I know that there are certain people that call and talk to him every day because, and this is not, be, this is not me marginalizing anyone's friendship with anybody. Some people are very much need to be cajoled and comforted that that you're still going to be around. Yeah. Some in and so when I see people post online that they spoke to him today and they speak to him every day, that's good. I know that mm -hmm. person is calling in and checking on Bill. Yeah. I don't need to call and check in on Bill. Mm -hmm. I texted Bill when it happened. My in. I have this unique situation where my wife is very insulated from our business. And I say mm -hmm. our business because she's my wife. She's been with me since day one. Like, you know, we've been together forever. We started this company together. We started other companies together. She just has this ability to where she doesn't ingratiate herself into anything we do in the motorcycle business. She'll go to anything I ask her to go to. Sometimes she says, I don't you know, I'm gonna bother. Yeah. She's very, very active and very passionate. This Wheels of Steel show that we're doing in December just wouldn't happen without my wife. I'm and so people excited about don't give up. Thank you again. Yeah, no, I'm, thank you, for, yeah, for, thank you. For, for participating. But um, she and Bill have a relationship yeah. that's their own and when this happened, he, you know, she texted him and, you know, he makes sure that when she's somewhere, he sees her and gives her a hug and a kiss and, you know, and they have their, their friendship. And so, um, I respect all of that and I respect Bill enough that I want him to get better. I need him to get better because yeah. I need Bill to build more bikes. I need Bill to, you know, have more laughs with and share things with. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. I don't, he knows, you know, he knows how I feel about him. I know how he feels about me. And I really don't give a shit about what anybody else's opinion is of him or what he's done. Because if I judge him only on how he's treated me over the course of nearly 20 years of knowing him, that he has, Bill is one of these people that has the ability to call me to the carpet. Mm -hmm. And I have to answer to him when I do something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's, I've had that phone call. There's a mm -hmm. couple people. Steve from Steven's Cycle is that way. Yeah. Bill's that way. Um, Cody's that way. You know, my friends that I keep close are all can, can call me on my bullshit. But Bill's one of those dudes that, you know. Yeah. More than one, more, more than one occasion, he's pulled me off to the side and said, hey, you, you okay? <laughs> right. You're not, you know, you need to calm down. Like, everything's going to be, you know, one of those yeah. kind of dudes. So. Yeah. But yeah, he's, have you painted for him? No, no. Um, That's I odd. did. Well, he's had more painter problems than, than, than me, I think. Yeah, well, he had some, some good friends of mine involved. And um, I, I was, had been fortunate enough to know the French Kiss guys. Um, oh, Brian, Brian and Bobby, and, dude. Yeah. Those dudes are rad. Yeah. I haven't hung out with those dudes 
12 years. Yeah. But I, I, I think it was Bobby, because I, I, I know they're not twins. Right. But they right, look right. just like each other. Yeah. And um, I, I want to say it was Bobby and I. Well, they were on with him about the time period I did two seats for him, uh, which was for, for Jim Root's bikes. Okay. Yeah. So we did a little bit of business, and then um, I was going to do some production seat stuff for him, and I had moved to a different building, and, and things just got a little off, and... Um, you know, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I know I, I had sent Bill a text offering, uh, I know he's got a lot closer friends, but being as close as I am to him, I reached out and let him know that, hey, paint, seats, come down, help you put something together, be your guy, you boss around all day, tell what to do whenever mm -hmm. you need help, whenever you need, I'll make time to do whatever you need to do. Bill's never gonna ask you to do that? Yeah. What you have to do is just be in touch, be in tune with what he's doing, and you just go there and do it. Yeah. You know, I, you just I say, figured that you when just I tell saw him, look, some... I, that's what I've done. I'm like, look, I'm going to be there on Thursday. I will be there at 9 a.m. in the morning or 10 a.m. in the morning, and I will yeah. work until 3 or 4 in the afternoon, and, I will, and I've done that. Yeah. yeah. I figured that people like yourself that know him a little bit closer than I do, when I saw some stuff like that happen, and I would get a hold of you guys, and I, I knew he probably wouldn't ask, and I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, you just go do just. I, you know, right now he he went to the shop. I know he's been to the shop a couple times and just kind of checking on things. Yeah. And but there's been a lot of people checking on things and make sure that he's good. Um, but I think you'd be a good fit for him with paint because uh, he's he's a tough he's a tough bird because he knows what he wants. That's well, and also but at, at the same time, time it'd be easier because he knows what he wants. Yeah. At, at that time, I honestly um, wasn't uh, painting up the caliber of the the bikes he was getting painted. Yeah. You know. And Bobby I, and Brian are fucking studs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they did a bike. And they're laughing at stuff. Just like whatever. We did that in our underoos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, we, yeah, we don't yeah. really care. I'm yeah, like, and you know, and, and painters the one thing too that if you want your work to evolve then you've got to evolve with some of your suppliers and people mm -hmm. who do things and get other people involved in, in that. Yeah. And you know, I uh, I had a painter that was the painter I was telling you about earlier in the podcast, I was talking with him and he, he Bill wanted him to paint a bike for him. And this is back when his shop was next to mine. And that's a whole nother story, but mm -hmm. my shop and this paint shop were next to each other. And he dropped off the paint to him. And when he left, I told him, I said, you better do a good fucking job. I said, cause if you fuck Bill over, you'll be painting Yeti cups and playing city for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And now he's, he's moved on to boats. He paints the, the uh, the caps that go on the like Mercury, he's gotten mm -hmm. linked up with these these guys, these boating guys. Yeah, and it's just it's it's easy shooting fish in a barrel for him. But he's yeah. you know, he's done some he's done some people pretty dirty in in the in the motorcycle industry to where he can't work in the motorcycle industry. Yeah, that would no be, one to work with him. That would to to, be, to have a paint shop right next to a motorcycle shop would just in I mean I haven't had that circumstance, but it would seem to be so gravy. Dude, if we made to, within. Well, I'll just tell you. So he started, I had originally made an offer to him, like, hey, let's work together. And he was painting all my stuff. So I was driving to his shop all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was hard. And so I'm like, the shop next to me is open. I'll rent it. I'll pay the rent. I'll pay the light bill. You're a single man guy. You work a normal schedule. If you're there, I can sell paint work. 
everything will go through my cash register. I'll mark it up to cover your rent and your lights. You decide whatever you want to make. If this paint job is going to be a thousand bucks, I'm going to put two hundred bucks on top of that. I'm going to take fifty percent on the front. I'm going to take my two hundred out of fifty percent, give you the rest, and then when the paint job's done, you get all the rest of the money. We, and I, dude, I wrote him checks fifty-three thousand bucks in four months. Uh, be and he left. <laughs> he just left me with like eight months on a lease and fucked me off. I get I get the guys that are I do business with, and then they're subbing out. So they give me the hard ones and give somebody else the gravy because there's a bunch of cutthroat guys around doing sure painting fenders for a hundred dollars and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. you're gonna get a hundred dollar quality paint yeah, job. Yeah, you're gonna get a hundred dollar paint job. And you're gonna I'm scratch not, it, put it on. Yeah, and I'm not. You know, you don't want to put your name on that stuff. But it's it's funny how I just went around and kind of had a little chit chat with some people going, listen, I don't know what you don't understand, but you know, you're either I'm your guy or I'm not. Well, I talk or, to, I talk to people all the time that, that open shops, get open in a motorcycle shop, the easiest fucking thing you can do. Keeping one open <laughs> is the most impossible thing you can do. Yeah. And I had a guy come in this place in, in Lakeland and it's, Nice enough guy comes in. He's like, yeah, I'm doing this. And I'm doing this. And I'm, you know, and this. And he's got all these things he's doing. I'm like, well, what do you charge an hour for labor? He's like, I charge $55 an hour. I go, no, man. I'm like, I'm not trying to tell you your business, but I'm telling you right now. Like, I'm telling you my business and you're in yeah. my business. Yeah. If you're in this industry, you don't have to kiss the ring. You can tell me to go fuck myself. Like, yeah. I'm nobody. But I'm telling you right now. If you're only charging 55, well, you aren't even valuing your work and sure. your time, motherfucker. Sure. Like, you need to be yeah. in line. You don't have to charge what I charge, but you shouldn't be charging. If the only business you're getting is because you're charging $55 an hour, you're dealing with customers who don't have any fucking money yeah. or they don't have any value and they don't, they don't value you. Yeah. And while he was there, dude, this is the best <laughs> thing. I couldn't even make this up. I couldn't make this happen if I, you know, if I could. If I lived in a bottle, a lady came in that had been that had been at a shop, and he just like asked her in my showroom, like, like, well, what's why you know, why are you here? Like, what are you doing? She, she's like, she's like, I, you know, I don't have to. Answer. She basically said, I don't have to. I don't have to tell you that I'm not here. I'm not at your shop. And yeah. so he left. And when she left, she's like, I'm not fucking going. He couldn't do this. He couldn't do that. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. I'm like, she goes, I bought a brand new motorcycle. She goes, I wasn't taking it to him. And that that's on him. That's not on me. Yeah. That's on him. And I try to explain. I'm like, look, dude, I'll help you. You know, go get Service Manager Pro. Pay the 55 or 65 bucks a month so that you're billing out billable hours at the correct rate and fucking raise your rates. Yeah. You know, fire yeah. the bottom 10% of your fire, fire the bottom 10% of your customers every year. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. And and if you're doing your if you're doing your stuff right, you're going to know that those jobs were a headache. And they don't you fucking make pay. Any money you didn't make any money. Like, well, dude, oh, that's, here's yeah. the thing: I make money. I'm I'm telling you, everybody. I've talked about it on here so many times. I, you know, I had a guy. He just picked up his bike. I had it at Willie's. Were you at Willie's? Nope. Okay. That's true. Not this year. So I took this bike to Willie's. So dude comes in wants wants to build a chopper. He wants to build a chopper. How do you do it? Well, you can buy a frame or you can buy a well-done hardtail. Well, I'll get a hardtail. How much is that? It's this much money. So I call up Pat, I order a hardtail kit. Will you put the hardtail kit on for me? Yes, I'll put the hardtail kit on for you. So I put the hardtail kit on. He goes, well, 
how much to have, you know, how much to have this? Well, the project just kept scaling up and scaling up and scaling up and scaling up and scaling up. And when I take on a job, I know what I have coming down the pipe. Well, I'm like, look, every time you scale this job up, it you prolong when you're going to get it back. Right. And so, and I charge what I charge, dude. I don't. <laughs> I don't fucking I don't deviate from it, and so when it, when it was all was said and done, this guy got a a Sportster they spent thirteen grand on, and my thing to him was, if you just spend fifteen, just spend fifteen instead of the thirteen, put another two grand into it, I can I can have someone like Fish paint it. Right, it's two parts. Right, it was a fucking right. rear fender and a front fender. Right. I can replace, I can go to Jim at Diamond Engineering and buy all Diamond Engineering bolts. Mm -hmm. I can paint the motor, at least paint it, right? Right. Wrink, you know, clean it and wrinkle paint it. Right, right. And you'll have a, a perfect motorcycle, a complete custom built perfect motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And as it is now, I had to put, when it was all said and done, I had to put this fucking painter I tell you about earlier, he owed me some money, so I said, here, paint this. Right. And I got back exactly what I thought I was gonna get back. And I put the old pegs that were rusty from the, and you know, ended up getting to get the job done at the very end. I had to, I had to compromise my value system a little yeah. bit to get this thing done. That's what, you I know. begged the guy, I'm like, look, don't put this DNA front end on your bike. He was hell bent on having a Springer. I'm like, let, let's, you can do that later, but trust me, right now, you should use the stock. Instead of spending $2,000, because that's what it costs to put a DNA front end on the bike, because I, I had to buy the front end, it's 500 bucks or 600 bucks, whatever, mm -hmm. and then I charge a machine time for fucking making all the parts work. Spacers and spacers and, and, and putting a brake, and, and, yeah. you know, you had to buy a PM brake. I'm not putting one of them big fucking honking ass fucking chrome calipers on the front. I'm just not doing it. Right. There's certain things I was like, I'm There's, not doing it. And for the price point of that, you're still. And you still have a DNA fucking front end on your bike. Yeah. It's not like you put a Freddie Hernandez front end on it that's 2,500 bucks or right. two grand and it's worth every fucking penny, or a Sugar Bear front end that's worth every fucking penny, or a Denver's that's worth every fu fuck. A Paco is worth every penny that yeah. Paco gets. At mm -hmm. least they're fucking good quality built in the U.S. Yeah. And this thing at the end of the day, it's got a fucking DNA front end on it. Dude. You know what I mean? It's like trying to fucking get people to understand. Uh, that and, and you know that's I had you brought up Bill Dodge earlier. I had a, co a conversation with him, and you know I'm very very careful about what I ask someone like him because I mean he's one of my heroes in this business. Right. You know he's built two hundred fifty thousand dollar bikes and three hundred fifty thousand dollar cars when mm -hmm. he worked for Jesse. Yeah, arguably in charge of the most successful motorcycle builder of the modern era, depending on how you measure things. Uh, and definitely, on his own, one of the most celebrated craftsmen that, to do this, yeah. Bill. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, For and sure. I said, when you when you pick a bike, when you pick a project that you're going to work with somebody, do you give them a price on the front, or do you tell them it's this much hours, or do you scale up, scale back? He goes, man. He goes, I'm not as smart as you are, and I'm quoting him. He's like, I'm not as smart as you are. I don't do it like you do it. I, I don't. I pick a price and. That's what it's going to cost the customer, and I don't tell them when it's going to be done, and I'd lose my ass on every one of them because he puts so it's so laborious and puts yeah. so much time into it. 
Yeah, I, I've recently, over the past couple of weeks, got some direct messaging on pricing on, forcing the website set up with <clears throat> like a bunch of documentation of all the different kinds of builds. And most of the chopper stuff, there's like what I call the working man specials or daily riders. Yeah. There's show bikes, restorations, different stuff. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, the daily rider would cost you a set amount of money. Show bike would start at this price and go up to, for example, what I would want for Francine, mm -hmm. you know, and you can try to pick what you want. We can sit down and have a consultation about what that's going to cost. And, you know, at least I have like some tiers yeah. of what it'll go to. But I never, I never, uh, all my prices are, are estimates pending. This is a price we're going to try to stay around. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a price we're going to try to stay around. And, you know, I would be in agreement with that you're never like hand over fist. And at the end of the well, assembly was this set price. And, Man, I made it so made, much more than no. Than I, I, you know what I mean, I, uh, I, I, what I do is I, I write down like I have a, I have a, a base price like in my head. Like if you're building a rigid bike, it starts at this much. Complete builds, mm -hmm. you know, and this is just labor only. Parts are what parts cost. I don't give a right. shit. I don't set right. the price on parts. Mm -hmm. um, a rigid bike starts at around eight thousand. A swing arm bike starts at about 10 yeah take it or leave it mm -hmm. because i know that i'm going to have 100 hours in anything i do yeah and billable yeah. no and if you can't deal with that then i'm not your guy and and here's the thing i enjoy i enjoy the idea of building a bike for somebody it's very stressful building a bike for somebody else um but i've built enough bikes to where i feel like i don't really have anything to prove you know what i mean yeah. like i i don't i'm not I don't have to sell a bike build to prove that I can do something. I've had I've had my fair share of motorcycles and shows, and I had my fair share of motorcycles. When you look back at the arc of my career, I bought a lot of business early on and bought a lot of opportunity through time to get somebody to let me build them a bike. And to me, back then, if the bike went, ran down the road, did what it was supposed to do, looked good, was in a magazine, it, that's... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad that this whole situation came along with the People's Champ and Born Free and Francine because I wasn't getting complacent with bike builds. I was, you know, and, and some great bikes came, came out of, of some different stuff that was getting done. But now I feel re-energized with, I feel like there needs to be one a year going on that's just out of control. Yeah, maybe one every every two years, if that's what it would take to to do it in the middle of d depending on the situation. If somebody, if you were to get contracted to build one or or what have you, you know. Have you ever been contracted to build a bike like that was maybe, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to even articulate it. Like, you know, I we did some we did some bikes for a corporation one time. Did five of them, five, four, four bikes. For a corporation and that's kind of a weird thing because the weird part about it is is they don't give a shit what it looks like yeah <laughs> you know what i mean they i had to sit down and talk with a um, it was a rum company that wanted me to do a handful of them kind of like the sailor jerry style deal mm -hmm. that, that sailor jerry did and then yeah i think I, they don't they don't necessarily care just make us four they're gonna go where they're gonna go and did you do it? No. No, we couldn't get the money right. 
really for me to do something I wanted to put my name on or to come up with a more original idea that wouldn't have been the regurgitated Sailor Jerry idea with traditional tattoo artwork and stuff like that and yeah because and, you then know, you got to implore you got to get a tattoo artist involved that that isn't willing to copy Sailor Jerry but has kind of his own Sailor Jerry style or whatever right, you know right yeah it's a weird it's a weird thing I I, I think that in that space we get our business gets marginalized there was a point in time dude and, and you know i don't I, I know how old you are but i don't know how you know i don't know how long you've been in this in this job field but there was a point in time where it was a very common thing for you to be doing a bike build for a company it yeah. was a very i mean that was that was something that companies did mm -hmm. they actively looked for bike builders that would build them bikes yeah. for for that and uh it was weird. I'm six years deep, six or seven in alleyway as a, you know, legit have dealers, a building, all that stuff. But I got my first Harley in '96, I think, is fall of '96. Mm -hmm. Never had another motorcycle other than a Harley. Never had a moped before that. <laughs> right. Well, like I was telling you yesterday, motorized. Vehicles of any kind were frowned upon very heavily in the we could have all kinds of other stuff But no motorcycles no go-karts no. I literally didn't know how to ride a moped when I got that 69 Ironhead. Wow, and my closest friend at the time had to teach me how to ride it around in a Kmart parking lot Sketchy learning how to shift on the right side of the bike, which was already I didn't even know that the difference between the two those, so that's probably the one advantage that you had <laughs> right on that bike. Those two and my other closest buddy, they had already had passed around uh, some Harleys uh, between the two of them, and they were already you know riding around. They had CB750s and stuff like that. They were just trying to get a third person to go to the bar with them. Yeah, that hey. was my involvement in getting a bike. That's you know. great. Do we need to tell Chris to stop? No, he's fine. Very no, cool. we're actually. I mean, we can. We can. We can kind of. Put a pin in we're it here. We're, awesome. we're at an hour forty-two. I know you got a bunch of work to do. I took up a bunch of your time yesterday. I don't. I do not Dude, mind at is, all. This is. All. Thank uh, you so much. Where can people find you online? Websites, Alleyway Customs. Uh, with a K. With a K. That's right. With a K. Uh, social media is Instagram, Alleyway Customs with a K. We're also on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Tumblr. The website has a blog that all that stuff links to, all the social media nice. links to. Um, so we're pretty easily able to be found. And we also have a YouTube channel in the works because we did an 11 series. Our friend Bo Crum did an 11 video series documentation of Francine, the build and the process and all that stuff. So we're going to try to get it out there because some people are I'm getting hit up now with do you have any of the videos on a larger format? Do you want to not have a cell phone to the face to look at them? So, uh, so uh, voting starts November six for People's Choice. Yeah, voting how starts. Can we, how can we help you? Because I'm going to go home and I, I think I'm going to put this in front of a couple other episodes so that we can get it out for the voting because I that want would people be to hear that. Super awesome. Yeah. So if you get um, come November six, if you get on Built Wells website, it'll link you right up to the voting. And I'll put a link down in the the caption for the show yeah because so the, the link will be in our bio on social media so if you look at our information you can click directly it'll take you right to how to vote yeah we'll get we'll get to make it simple but so i know everybody's sick of voting but we need you to vote one more time how long is voting open for 
The sixth to the ninth. So it'll be the weekend. Holy shit! Just three days. Yeah, we need to get this out. Nerve wracking. Yeah, we need. to Well, get this you know, and, and I want to actually say thank you so much to yourself, Jason, for having me on. Oh man, twice no now, yeah, and, right. and for all the Let's help enjoy. with uh, with everything. And um, but I, I'd also like to thank everybody else that you know. It's I'm not the type of person to get online and would you please, please vote, whatever. And, and that was the beauty. <laughs> the beauty about making it the final six when I was like, thank God, I, there's no more groveling. As appreciative as I, I want to make sure I come off the right way too. Yeah. As appreciative as I am of everybody that helped with the process, it was just so nerve wracking. And then when it got pushed to online vote again, it's like, oh, here we go. Well, that's again. what I was saying earlier. Everyone to was that you have to have, um, you have to understand promotion and so now but here's my fear like i'm looking at this bike and this this bike is flawless it really is i'm gonna Thank i'm gonna take so over much. it one more time Thank to see so if i can much. find something wrong with it but um <laughs> <laughs> please do i want i want no, to, i, I kind of want to you know the, really and here's not to stop you but the only people that have seen this i'm so looking forward to bringing it to your show in december because right now there's been you know local people i brought it out to the harley local dealership at the adamac events but a lot of people that a lot of people haven't seen it, you know. Here, here's, is, I'm, my biggest fear is that somebody, that this just doesn't get picked up because somebody did, somebody was a m master marketeer and master groveler. That was, okay, so that's been my only criticism of all of this yeah. is that the optics of it are, is I'm looking at a, what I consider to be a, a perfect of a machine as I've seen, and yet the thought that somebody else may have just as good of a machine but not be as adept at marketing or something would lose an opportunity. That's I so wanted to, the, you know, the deal with it, I've spoke with most everyone else that's been, in, that is in the competition, previous cuts, all 25, uh, and you know, everyone just wanted to get something that they made seen out at Born Free. And I'm, I'm gonna go in June anyway, regardless of what happens. You know, you can only approach really something like this with it. As soon as it went to online voting, it's like, oh, anybody could, any, anybody could win with, like you said, with the right marketing. But, you know, here's the bright side. If I don't do well, there won't be as many haters. <laughs> <laughs> the glass is always half full. Always, yeah. So right. go to Alleyway Customs with a K. Alleyway Customs with a K. And Instagram, check it yeah. out. It's going to be at the Central Florida Wheels of Steel Indoor Custom Motorcycle Show mm -hmm. December 5th and 6th. Yep. Voting is from November 6th to the 9th, so please go online and vote for Francine. Uh, you it's won't James be Alcorn. On the James Alcorn is how real names on on what <laughs> on Beltwell. On Beltwell, yeah, okay. He James used to say, he used to say James Fish Alcorn on there, but the most recent one just says our real names. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, another hiccup. James whatever. Alcorn, okay. Very good. I wouldn't have known what your last name was. I just know you as Fish. I knew most, it was James. But most people don't, but that's all right. So, well, thank you for doing this. Hey, I appreciate thank you it. so much again for and, everything. Uh, we'll wrap up. Make sure you guys go check them out online. Vote for People's Choice. Go to the Built Well website. Um, support this dude. This bike's fantastic. And this this shop, dude, is, I'm, I'm dead serious. It's the coolest motorcycle shop I've ever been thank in. Thank you so, so much. I'm going to go home and, so and look for a place to move to. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. All right. Listening to the Power Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening.